We're turning to the New Testament and we're going to one chapter tonight and we're staying there. We'll not have you to and fro and through the word tonight. We're going to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And uh, take your time and get the place and open and keep it open there because we'll be referring to it. Uh, take your time just and it's not easy sometimes to find these, some of these epistles. Uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippines, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. And 2nd uh, Thessalonians in particular is not easy to, to find for it sits in there before you come to the epistles of Timothy and Titus. But we're at 1st Thessalonians uh, chapter 2 and you just open your Bible and we'll be referring to that in, in a moment or two. Now I have kept this great chapter of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 until the end of this series simply because it is a summary and a resume of much that has been said before in the past six weeks. Our subject, as you know, has been, and we have stuck to it quite well, I think. We have no images tonight or nothing of Daniel, but in the first meetings, you'll get all those images about Daniel and so forth. you get it on YouTube or wherever else you want to look. But our subject has been Britain, Brexit, and the Beast. Britain, Brexit, and the Beast. And this epistle here, and we're going to show you tonight that we can, we can gather up almost all that we said from these verses alone. So we're going to let the Word of God now speak to us tonight. That has been the attraction here. It's been the Word People are coming to hear the word and we need to hear it in these days. And uh, we can gather up in this chapter 2 of Second Thessalonians nearly everything that we have said in the past weeks. So this epistle was written to the young, fiercely persecuted uh, first century church at Thessalonica. They were suffering under one of the worst of the Roman empires, uh, by the name of Nero. And uh, the, win- the, the young Christians were being thrown to the lion. They were, they were burnt at the stake. Uh, uh, they were cru- being crucified. And I mean hundreds of them for their stand for Christ. But of course, persecution uh, and martyrdom is not just an old thing, it's a new thing. Uh, according to records that I picked up during the week, 1,200 people a year in some countries, this is not all the figures, there's far more than that, but 1,200 people were beheaded or crucified in North Korea, Sudan and Yemen in the past year. And that's not, that's not talking about other countries that are martyring and, pers- and beheading and crucifying to believers for their stand for God. The ISIS are... The ISIS people are taking these Christians and they're saying to them, I was just reading this horrifying story, these young Christians and they're asking them to, are they following Jesus? And they said they are going to follow him and they'll not repent and they'll not uh, claim Allah. 
And they're so to say, if you're going to follow them, follow them all the way to the cross. And they crucify them, strip them naked, women and men, and shave them, and crucify them. That's going on tonight in our world. This is not an, an old thing. Uh, Christians always have been and always be, will be persecuted for their faith. Now, because of the persecution that was upon these early Christians of Thessalonica, Rumours began to circulate uh, that uh, from within their own ranks that this was the tribulation period that they were in. You see, Paul had told them about this, and I'll show you this in a moment. And that Nero was the Antichrist and that they were going through the tribulation. And they had to endure this before the Lord would come. Now, that was completely contrary to what Paul taught them in the first epistle to the Thessalonians. And the fact the first epistle to the Thessalonians was the first epistle of all Paul's 14 epistles that he wrote. But uh, that was contrary to the teaching of Paul because you know that we dealt with a, series, with a, with, with, with a section of that one night uh, uh, where, where he says, you're not appointed to wrath. And when he told them that the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and he'll, he'll, he'll take them out before uh, the, the rapture come, he had told them these things. And if you want to glance at verse 5 of chapter 2, you'll read these words. Chapter 2 and verse 5. Remember ye not that when I was with you, I told you these things. Now, he had already informed them and told them that uh, the Lord was going to come and he was going to take them out and there was going to be the blessed hope and that, there was, uh, that he would take them out before the rapture of the church. Now I want you to be open-minded tonight. I want you just to be open-minded with this word because there's so many people you know and they're set in their own ideas and something they were taught when they're young doesn't say that it's right. I want you to be open tonight because what's happening here is as these people's loved ones died, as they were, as they were in were being martyred, the seed began to be sown amongst them uh, with those who twisted and uh, refuted the teaching of Paul on this subject. And that happened. Peter told us that in the last days, he says, scoffers will come, following their own lusts. And there were those taking the word of Paul about that he taught them in the first epistle, and they were twisting it about. And it's because of that Paul wrote this second epistle. He wrote this second epistle to them to straighten them out and to put them right in what he said the first time and to then to deal on with the other things regarding that. And, and in this second epistle, uh, second two of, of Thessalonians, he deals very carefully and very prayerfully and very openly and very simply uh, with the things to come. And we're going to see in this tonight just where we are tonight in Europe, just where we are tonight as we, uh, as, we, as, we, as we sit here. I think if you can get a grip tonight of what I'm going to say in this chapter 2, I think you'll learn more tonight uh, than you've learned in all the other nights. And I think that uh, maybe it'll even change your mind on some of the views that you have. Don't tattle on your mind. Let the Word do it. You see, People, people say, I don't agree with this, and I think the church will go through the tribulation. But I, don't have, I never have anybody come to me and pointing me out in Scripture these things. So if you're talking and saying things like that, you need to know where you stand, and you need to defend your corner on it. So I'm giving you what I believe here, that the Word, that the word of God 
uh, teaches. Now get your eyes on verse 1 to, of chapter 2. And here we have Paul saying, here's what he says, Now we beseech you. Now that word beseech is a strong word. He says, I plead with you, with all my heart, you brethren, by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering unto him. Now that gathering unto him is the rapture, it's the taken out. I have written over that the saints are taken. It's the gathering up of the church. And you know, some of these days the clouds will burst and Jesus shall come and we shall be gathered together unto him. That's just what he's saying. And he's saying that to these Christians, that we're, we're going to be taken, we're going to be snatched away in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. We're going to be taken up, we're going to be taken out, we're going to be taken in to the presence of the Lord, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's what he's saying in that verse 1. Then in verse 2, I have written over the saints taken, verse 2, the saints shaken. Look at what it says. That ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Now that word shaken means to tremble. It's the same word used for an earthquake. It's the same word used for a ship that is shaken from anchor and cast out into the sea in the storm. That's how this news affected these Christians, these young believers, in Thessalonica, that's how these false teachers had told them this, and it rocked their very faith. It troubled them, it frightened them, and, and actually the word means to cry aloud. You see, they'd confided in Paul, and they'd believed what Paul had taught, and they'd imbibed it, and they were, they were rejoicing in it, and they were looking forward even then to Jesus coming and taking them out of the persecution, taking them out of the things they're in. And then suddenly these false teachers uh, come along with this word, and, and they just blow the whole thing apart from them. And they're, they're troubled, and they're shake, and they're shake. And do you not think that they have a right to? Do you not think that whenever they were taught this by Paul and now they're being taught this church confusion? There's an awful lot of confusion about today in the church. I, I hope you're not sitting in some place where you're confused. We're not supposed to be confused. And these people were in great fear. And let me tell you, we're not supposed, believer, to live in fear. He hasn't given us the spirit of fear. We should have no fear about these things. He hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Do you not think that it was, it was something that would have shook these people to think that their whole theology has been changed and that they're going through the tribulation? Do you not think that they put up, they're putting up with enough without putting up with this? Do you think, my friend, that we don't put up with enough without putting up to this? Is all you can tell your children tonight is that you're going to go through the tribulation. Is all you can tell your family tonight you're going to get the mark of the beast, 666. Is that what you tell them? Are you telling them they're going to be here for the fierce onslaught that's opened up in revelation of the seals being broken and the Antichrist ruling? And all hell breaking out in wickedness and evil and men slaying every day and no spirit, no power, no gospel. You're telling your children that? Well, I tell you, children, you don't believe it. I wonder, is that the cause that there's so many dead Christians? 
I wonder, because if you imbibe this doctrine, my friend, that you're going through the wrath and the tribulation of God, if you imbibe it, you have nothing to make you joyful. Nothing. From ever I heard this doctrine and read it and preached it and believed it, I live every day in the good of it. Thank God. Paul says, it's the blessed hope and the glorious appearing. Comfort one another with these words. I tell you, that's no comfort what them people are hearing. No comfort whatsoever. And Paul goes on down then in verse 2. He says, let not you be soon shaken in mind or troubled. Now watch this. Neither by spirit. See, there was men coming and saying, I have a word in the spirit. Did you ever hear that? There were those coming to these young believers and saying, the Lord has spoken to me in the Spirit. Well, you know what we're told to do in the last days? Try the spirits. Try them. And boys will get up and they'll pontificate and say, the Lord has spoken to me. Will you be very careful? 20 over 21 years ago here at this corner, a man come to me and he told me, he says, the Lord give me a word at 3 o'clock in the morning. I says, what about? He told me at 3 o'clock in the morning that you, were to be, that you were to leave the boat. 21 years ago. And he says, what's more, he says you're to be cast out of it like Jonah was cast into the sea. Well, I'm still here. And I tell you, my friend, it wasn't a word from the Lord. The Lord never told me anything about it. But the Lord told me to come here. And he hasn't told me to go yet. You see, these boys come with words, and there's all sorts of spirits about today, and, and evil spirits, and deceiving spirits, and wicked spirits. Try them. And he says, he says, don't. Look, look at the verse again. There's no man deceive you. Let, let, let no man deceive you. Or verse 2, let you be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by, by spirit. There will come with false words. Nor by word. And that, that means that some were saying, well, I believe, I, I believe. This is my word. I think that you should do. I hear people saying, I think it would be a good idea. We don't go by good ideas. And we don't listen to people that tell us, I think you should do this, or I think you should do this. That's what Paul's saying. Don't you listen to them? And then he says this, watch this. Watch what he says here. Be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, as by letter. I wonder, was this a nameless, shameless, anonymous letter that's floating about sometimes in the church? I wonder was it. My friend, put your name to something if you write it. Don't be ashamed. Paul says here, all by letter, somebody was writing. Somebody had told them. Somebody said, you're in the tribulation. You're going to go through the tribulation. You're going to suffer. Now watch what Paul says. Now watch very carefully. Nor by word or by as from us. Don't take it as from us that the day of, of Christ or the day of the Lord should be as at hand. Now, now look at verse 3. Let no man deceive you. 
Now that's the same thing that the Lord Jesus says six times concerning these days. And Paul's coming in behind it here. He says, let no man deceive you. And can I say, Jesus nor Paul here is not talking about the cults. They're not talking about the Jehovah Witnesses of the Mormons. They're talking about men with collars and men in churches and men with false doctrine and men that are deceiving the people. That's what he's talking about. And that's what's happening in the last days, the apostasy. The falling away that we see all around us, all around us today. Then verse 4, he says this, Who opposeth, or verse 3, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. That's the falling away that we're in at the moment. And that, that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Now there's the Antichrist. He says that day will not come, the day of tribulation, the day of wrath that these people are telling you about will not come until the man of sin, the Antichrist, the son of perdition, be revealed. Verse 4, who opposes and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he is God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That's what Jesus says in Matthew 24. Daniel said it, we pointed it out, and Paul's saying it here. He says the Antichrist will one day, at the end of the tribulation period, be in the temple, the new temple that's going to be built in Jerusalem, and he'll be offering sacrifices when Jesus comes. The abomination. That's just what he's saying here. Saying what Daniel's saying, and he's saying what, what, what Jesus is saying. Verse 4, Who opposes exalted himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he is God, sitting in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember you not, that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. Now watch these verses. And now you know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in time. Now, the King James Version is not a very good translation. That word withhold means to hold back. It means to restrain. It means to keep back. Now, watch the verse. Get your eyes upon it. And now you know what holds back him from coming, that he might be revealed in his time. So he's saying here there's some, that, that word is restrained. That word is to pull back, to hold back. So there's something holding back and restraining him from coming, Paul tells us here. Now just let that sink in. And now ye know what withholdeth, or keepeth back, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now, there's another he, I tell you, this is the Holy Spirit here. This is the church here. Only he who now hindereth will hinder, that word let us, he who now hindereth will hinder until, until he be taken out of the way, until the church is taken out of the way, until the Spirit is taken out of the way. He will not come until the church is gone. Now you take that verse home with you and you analyze it. And you get as many concordances as you like on it, as many translations as you like on it. 
And it tells you very simply, and Paul's telling these very simple, simple, the, the tribulation will not come, the day of wrath will not come, what these people are telling you will not come until he, the Holy Ghost, and always remember the Holy Ghost is a he. And address him like that. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is holding back. The Holy Ghost is restraining. And the Holy Spirit is restraining within the believers. For the Holy Ghost indwells the believers. So it's the believers, it's the church that's holding him back. He can't come until I go. I tell you, we are the salt of the earth, the believers. We're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. And it's bad enough now with the church here. I tell you, iniquity is abounding in every hand, and every day you read of something more bizarre, more wicked, more cruel. My friend, every day we're slipping at an awful rate, we're sliding away. That's why the church is here. And I tell you, when he bursts the clouds and comes again and lifts his people out, the Antichrist will then be revealed. He's alive and he's well and he's somewhere. And he might well take up a seat in Brussels in the morning. He might well be there. He might not be. He might be a banker. I don't know who he is. But he'll not be revealed. Oh, he might appear. He might have appeared, but he'll not be revealed. Paul says, and you get the pen and wrap and, and, and see how many times he says revealed there. Verse 3, verse 6, verse 8. And he's making it very clear to these dear people, these poor people that have been listening to false preachers and false teaching, uh, and they're rocked about like a ship in the sea, and they don't know where to go, and their loved ones are dying, and they're saying that's the end of it, and it's all over. My friend, it's not. Jesus is coming. Sing the glad song. And I can't make any more clear to you that there's a taking, there's a shaking, there's an explaining, and there's the restraining. And in verse 8, look, there's the destroying. And then shall that wicked, and if you have a, a good Bible, it should say the wicked one. That's him again. And then shall, I'm not saying the King James is not a good version, but some versions have the wicked one in it, and that's proper. And then shall that wicked one, then shall that antichrist, then shall that one be that's going to be revealed, then shall that wicked one be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy him with the brightness of his coming. That's where we were last week. I tell you, that's the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Titus 2 and 14, is it? Separated by seven years, looking for the blessed hope. Any moment now. And the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior when he comes back to the Mount of Olives and the saints come back with him. And when the Mount of Olives cleaves to the right and to the left and those glorious feet touch upon it. And when the whole nations of the world had gathered at Armageddon and Israel surrounded with armies, 
and burst through the sky, the Lord and all his saints and angels and seraphims and cherubims. Glory to God. What a mighty day that will be. And he will destroy him. What does the word of God say? He will destroy him with the brightness of his coming, with the spirit of his mouth. That's the breath. Just one breath. Just one breath. And all the nations of the world and all the millions of Chinese and all the armies and the Antichrist, the false prophet and the devil himself just with one breath. There'll be no bother to him. Revelation tells us one breath, one chain, one angel, one moment, and one grip. And he cast them into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. I don't know where I'll be that day. I may be on a white horse coming through the clouds with all the saints. I may be on the Mount of Olives with my Lord. I may be I don't know where I'll be, but I'll tell you this. Wherever I am, I'll shout hallelujah. For I've known something of his activities. And so have you. Oh, what a glorious day. He shall destroy him with the brightness of his coming. So you see the destruction of the beast here. Now you're saying to me, where's Brexit in this? Well, there's the deception of Brexit. In these verses, on down from verse 8. And I'll show you them if you give me time. You see, the United States of Europe, the common market, you see, call it what you like, they're duped, duped, big time, by the spirit of Antichrist that's now working, preparing the way for the Antichrist. A delta night with that. Look at verse 10. Here's the way they're doing it. The devil's doing it. With all deceivableness, that's deception. Look at verse 11, delusion, strong delusion. Look at verse 12, damnation. Now just hold to them. Deception, delusion, and eventually damnation. Would you like to say to me this evening that they're not deluded? Would you not, would you like to say to me tonight there's not a massive deception in Westminster, in Brussels? You see, Germany, Italy, France have always been sworn enemies. I never did history at school. But they've always been sworn enemies of Britain. And down through the centuries, they have attacked them one way or another. That's why God put us on an island. And he separated us. And we're not going into that tonight. And they tried to conquer militarily, and it never worked. Now they're trying it politically. This old Roman Empire is raising again the old Roman spirit. Led by the Pope. Ecumenical and ecclesiastically. This old Roman spirit has an inbred hatred 
for Britain. Bureaucrats in Brussels laughing at the humiliation that's going on these days. <laughs> and they're enjoying it. Oh, what a shame. The mighty British Empire that God blessed so well. God protected. My uncle was at Dunkirk. And he went through all of Dunkirk and leading up to it. And he saw them slaying them. As they came over the Germans, slew them. They ran into banks and pits and buried themselves in sand. And they were moving in to just wipe out that whole contingent of the British army. When they got the Churchill and them got the boats and the wee ships and the wee crafts all over the channel. And just as they were going over the cloud, he says, there came a cloud. On a good day, he says, there came a cloud out over And the bombers couldn't see where they were and nobody in the skies could see them. And that cloud hovered. Until all the living and injured men were pulled and hauled into boats and taken back to the white cliffs of Dover. And went back to fight and to win the war. God has been good to this nation. And I don't know if you watched the news or not in the past week, but we saw the dictator, the wee dictator, the wee antichrist from France. He ended up displaying his true courage. He can kiss and slap all he likes. I'm not surprised that Time magazine, an ungodly magazine, had a picture of that fellow walking on water and a caption above it, is this the saviour of Europe? Now they're calling them over there, many of them are calling them over there, Jesus Macron, European saviour. He shot into power overnight. That's what's going to happen with the Antichrist. He's going to appear just suddenly. He came suddenly before 217 election when he was elected the president. He was hardly known. He had no political party. Imagine that. Do you know if anybody else was ever elected without a political background? He was a banker with Rothschild. A mighty economical financial intellect. In fact, they made him a partner after two years. 39 years of age, the youngest president of France. Now I'm asking these questions tonight. Why did his father and mother, who are atheists, call him Emmanuel? Hmm? God with us. Why is the last name Macron, why does it mean Mark. Printed Mark. That's what is new study. 
For the past 30 consecutive weeks, the yellow vest boys have been ripping through the cities of France, destroying it, burning it. And they did a poll the other day, and he's still top of the poll. Now you tell me, if what was going on in France was going on in England, or in any other of the European countries probably, do you think that the leadership would still be there? I'm not saying he's the Antichrist. You just watch him. Believing the lie, the delusion. My friend, there's a gullibility out there tonight and it only can come from the devil. Some of the great intellectual and thinkers of the day, Philip Hammond, Dominic Greaves, Ken Clark, John Major, Tony Blair. Blair was asked on Newsnight the other night, the news reader says, Mr. Blair, you religious man, why do you not pray for Europe? Do you pray for Europe? He says, you must be kidding. No, it's nonsense to pray for Europe. Well, there'd be no value in his prayers anyway. Thank God tonight, and I don't like going in too much into these political things we're going on to finish now, but thank God tonight for the Brexiteers. For this is an evil thing, you know, this is spawned in hell. This is the devil's work. Some of them are atheists. Some of them are ardent Roman Catholics. Some of them are Sodomites. Some of them are Muslims. Brexiteers. But like the ungodly King Cyrus, God used him to bring his people out of the old Babylon. And this is the Babylonian system we're talking about. Boris Johnson, everything nearly to do with it, there's something in Scripture in it. Boris Johnson said the other day, Mrs. May needs to go to Brussels like Moses went to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. You know the greatest lie that the devil spurned into the hearts of these very intellectual men is this new world order. Started away back in 1957 when the first of them were formed away before that. Henry Kissinger and them boys and George Herbert Walker Bush and Heath and Pope and Popes. New world order. We'll all get together and everything will be well and everything will be rude. You know, they think that in their mind. So they said that before the first, after the First World War. He says, this is the war that's going to end wars. There's going to be no more war. There's going to be peace. A few years we're back into another world war. They're blinded and they're deceived. They think that they'll bring the churches together and a whole lot of them, every jing-bang one of them, Muslims, Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, Presbyterians, bring them all together. Bring the whole financial thing together. Bring the whole court system together. Bring it all together and all will be well. It'll not be well. For they're not dealing with the root of the matter. Which is sin. And the end of it is going to be like the first 
power to be able that they've structured this thing in Brussels. That's where they got the drawing from. Genesis 11. And God came down and he destroyed it and he scattered them. And that's what I say about the stone made without hands going to smash the toes of clay and the feet of iron. God's going to destroy them when he comes. So there's a destruction of the beast. There's a deception of Brexit. Let me go on now. There's a damnation of Britain. Look at verse 10. What has damned our nation? What damns any nation? With all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Rest on that. They received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth. You see what there is there? They received not the love of truth. They believe not the truth. They receive not the truth. Could you describe our nation any other way than that? And they're perishing. Completely abandoned by God. They hate the word. They hate the truth. They hate the gospel. I preached some time ago at a conference on that great text in Hosea. Israel hath forgotten her maker and buildeth her temples. And that's what they're doing. They're building the temples for the Muslims. They're putting millions into them. They're afraid of them. A great nation. They're afraid of them. A new law being passed. It has been passed. The education minister's Photographs in the evangelical time in 2020 in Britain. It's compulsory for children of all ages. They'll be taught the same sex, same sex marriage, transgenderism. And the parents have no say to stop them. We're bringing it into law. The High Court in Canada the other day turned up, turned against a father and a mother with a 14 year old. allowed her to change sex against the fallen law. My friend, we are coming down into these days in our nation. Make no mistake about it. And last week, divorce. It used to be you had to snore or something, but you have to do nothing now. Two months, you can walk away. And they're gullible. And there's few to stand in one place. Quickly, and I'm almost finished. The destruction of the beast, the deception of Brexit, the damnation of Britain, and the description of the believer in verse 13. I wouldn't want to end any series of meetings the way I'm just finished now. And I can't. Look at verse 13. 
But we are bound, hallelujah, now come on, believer, but we are bound to give thanks always to God. What are we to give thanks to God for? What are we to praise God for? Now watch the word. It's the word you come from, not to hear me. Watch the word. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for the brethren beloved of the Lord because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation. We're to praise the Lord and thank the Lord for the doctrine of election. God the Father, Ephesians 1, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundations of the world, having predestinated us, give praise, it says, to his glory and to his grace. Do you ever dwell upon doctrine? Do you ever hear them preached? Believers saved one in this meeting away before eternity began. Away in the council ages of eternity in the mind of the eternal everlasting God, you were on his mind. This is a mighty truth, a mighty truth of predestination and election. God had you on your mind and me on my mind until, because the next thing it says here in verse 13 is salvation. Chosen you to salvation. Election is by God the Father. Salvation is by God the Son. Then came the day in our lives and the moment in our days. Oh, some nights, some days, some of you not so long ago, just a week or two ago, some of you years ago, there came a day when we heard the cry, the claims of the gospel and we looked away to the Lord as the only Savior and glory to God were saved by his grace. And then look at verse 13 again in sanctification of the Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. That sanctification just means set apart for God. Listen, believer, you're set apart for God tonight. Get your eyes off Brexit and get your eyes off the world. Get your eyes off the devil. You belong to him tonight. You're his child tonight. You're elected away before time began. You were saved on a certain day and time by the grace and the love of God. You were saved through the work of the cross and the blood of Jesus. And he set you apart. Look at verse 14. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the attaining of the glory. You know, glorification's coming. Oh, glory to God. He's going to glorify us one day. Paul says in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. And the dead in Christ shall rise first and those of which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet with the Lord. And as we go up, we shall be changed. The old vile bodies will be like unto his glorious body. I tell you, there'll be no more pain and no more sickness and no more sorrow and no more tears. The vessel will be changed. The venue will be changed. It'll be from the intensive care ward or from the bedroom or from the roadside, wherever it might be, the venue shall be changed and we shall be with him. 
And our values shall be changed. And our vision shall be changed. For we shall see him. Oh, I'm looking forward to seeing my old mother. Her heart was, I broke her heart, you know. I never remember her the other way with the white hair. I go down beside her one day and I says, Mother, would you like to be saved? She says, I'd love to. Just a week or two before she died, and she cried unto God. You know, I'm looking forward to seeing her. The old uncle that led me to the Lord, and so many good saints of God that I knew him. I'm going to sit down with Abraham and Isaac and of Jacob, and we're going to know one another in heaven because the Bible tells us we are. You'll know your wife and you'll know your child. J.C. Ryle says, do you think we'll be any more stupid there than we are here? But I'm going to see him. (laughs) That lifted a wretch like me. Saved me by his grace. And listen, if you get there before me, if you hit heaven before me, tell him I'm coming. And that I love him with all my heart. And we're finished now. And then this 15 is the confrontation. Here's what he says. Stand. Therefore, brethren, stand fast. No, we had time. We could take this apart. Stand fast. Confrontation. And look, 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 look at what it says. I'll take this home with you. Look at what it says. Stand fast and hold the traditions which you've been taught, whether by word or pistol. What does that mean? The old paths, the old ways. I'm, I have no intention of turning now. I have no intention of jettisoning these old doctrinal truths that I was imbibed in and hammered into as a young convert. I never knew a word of Scripture until I was 25. And you children, thank God for the Sunday school teachers. You were doing your exams there. Thank God for them. And thank God for you learning the Word. I was 25. And I wouldn't have known what the New Testament or the Old Testament was. Stand fast on the old truths. Stand fast on the old doctrines. Don't give in now. Stand your ground, man, in these last dark days of time. Push the battle to the gates and command deliverances from the Lord. Preach the old doctrines of justification by faith, redemption through the blood, regeneration through the Spirit. My prayer is and has been during the week that God will raise up in Europe another Luther. Another Calvin, another Swingley, some of the great martyrs of Europe stood for truth. And they'd rise up in England, another Wesley, another Whitfield, another Moodian in Wales, another, another Evan Roberts. And in Scotland, John Knox. May God raise up men and churches that will stand. Stand. 
and having done all to stand. Don't move. Hold on to these old truths. For the best has yet to be. And we'll be glad that we did. We'll be glad that we did. God bless you tonight. And thank you for coming. And thank you for listening. And pray that we'll see a move of God once again in our land.